0: And I'm going to ask you to turn over to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 73. And we're going to read quite a bit of scripture this morning. Psalms chapter 73, verse 1. And we are going to read all the way down to verse 27. So Psalms chapter 73, beginning with verse 1. Many times when we preach from the book of Psalms, we automatically attribute that writing to the book of David. And indeed, David did write many of the Psalms. But this is a Psalm that was written by a gentleman by the name of Asaph. And he says in that first verse, he says, truly, I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, truly God is good to Israel. He's good to those who are of a pure heart. And he says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled and my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant I was envious of the wicked when I saw the prosperity of the sinful. And then he begins to describe what it was that he saw. He said, they have no pains until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. And therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness, and their heart overflows with iniquity. They scoff and they speak malice loftily. They threaten with oppression. They set their mouths against heaven. And I, I love this imagery. And their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there any knowledge in the Most High? Asaph said, behold, these are the wicked. They are always at ease and they increase in riches. And he says, in vain I have kept my heart clean. In vain I have kept my heart clean and I wash my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. And he said, if I had said this, if I had said I will speak thus then I would have betrayed the generation of your children God in other words he's saying if I had if I had dared to say this out loud I would have I would have I would have caused others to stumble if I had thus said I would have betrayed the children of your generation, or the generation of your children. He said, But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed too wearisome of a task. Until, everybody say, until, until, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned therein until I went into the house of the Lord and then I understood their latter end. He says, truly, Lord, you set them in slippery places and you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment and swept away utterly by terror. Like a dream when one awakes, O oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them. And he said, when my soul was embittered and I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. I didn't understand. Nevertheless, he said, I I am continually with you and you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, he said, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. And I'm going to stop reading right there this morning. Ask that you bow your heads for just a moment. Let's pray together and ask the Lord for his help in ministering the word. Father, we thank you this morning that you have granted to us the opportunity to be here in the house of the Lord. We are grateful this morning, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Spirit that we have felt and that we have sensed. We are grateful this morning, Lord, for your word. I ask you now, God, to just empower what you give me to speak. Put your words in my mind, your words in my mouth. Let them come forth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit with clarity and power that impacts our life. I readily admit of my own ability I am inadequate. But if you will touch me, and if you will anoint me, bless me to be a blessing, then I am confident that your people will be blessed. Let everything that is said and everything that is done be done to glorify the name of Jesus our Lord. And let the people of God who hear be edified, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. So I want to title my message this morning, How Asaph Found His Thanksgiving. How ASIF Found His Thanksgiving. This morning, of course, we have begun the final week, or if you will, the countdown to Thanksgiving, which is a very unique American holiday. The first Thanksgiving celebration can be traced back to a three-day festival that was celebrated by the pilgrims after their first harvest in the New World on October, back in October of 1621. The celebration of Thanksgiving began at that time with them as an opportunity to give thanks unto God. It was birthed out of a desire to honor and to recognize the Lord for his provision. It began as an opportunity and a desire to give thanks unto God for his providence and for his protection. The tradition of that first Thanksgiving holiday feast was held for nearly 242 years before it ever became a federal holiday. In 1863, under the presidency of Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln proclaimed Thanksgiving to be a national and a federal holiday on the calendar of the United States of America. And he made this proclamation. And I quote, A day of thanksgiving and praise to our honorable Father who is and dwells in heaven. So understand that at the very heart of thanksgiving, at the very heart of thanksgiving, there is a desire to give thanks unto the Lord. But I would submit this morning that the more secular and the more secular that our nation has become, we have made thanksgiving about everything but giving thanks. We've made it about the turkey to the point that some folks call it Turkey Day. Hello? We've made it about the cranberry sauce, the pumpkin pie, and the banana pudding. We've made it about the football games and Black Friday shopping sales, and you hear what I'm saying this morning? We've made it about everything except giving thanks. Black Friday, I don't know why people would want to put themselves through that. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's where the, the sale starts at midnight, and you leave family and friends and the dinner table and go out and fight with your fellow man over the latest electronic gadgets and over the biggest, you know, s- flat screen TV and all of that. And people stand in line and camp out. Hmm, not me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So what I'm saying this morning is needless to say, I think that sometimes we have often misplaced our Thanksgiving. We have often substituted, man uh, other things for actually giving thanks unto the Lord. And this morning, I want to visit a man in Scripture by the name of Asaph. Asaph was a man who, the text reveals, had misplaced his ability to give thanks unto God. The psalm that we have read this morning was written by Asaph. And while we do not know a great deal about this man, here are some of the things that we do know. Number one, we know that he was King David's chief musician. We know that he was a Levite serving in the temple of the Lord. So understand that his daily responsibility was to go to the house of the Lord and lead others into praise and worship. His daily vocation was to escort others into the presence of the Almighty by leading them into a spirit of thanksgiving. Asaph was the worship leader in the temple of God. He was the chief musician in the house of the Lord. I can't say for sure because the Bible doesn't tell us explicitly, but he may have even been a card carrying member of the Red Flannel Club. <laughs> For those of you that are listening, by way of the internet, we have a standing joke here at Elevation Worship Center about our worship leader wearing red flannel every week, but not this week. He's got on a different color. It's good. I like it. I like it. But understand that Asif was the chief musician in the house of the Lord. In fact, if you read through the book of Psalms at the heading of some of the chapters, you will find his name in many of those chapters. And when we read through the book of Psalms, we need to understand that the book of Psalms to the children of Israel was a book of songs. It was their official hymnal. And Asaph was one of those individuals who had written many of those songs. So he was a chief musician. He was the worship leader in the house of the Lord. He was a mature, steadfast, and faithful believer. He was a gifted individual. He was a talented composer and a talented singer. He was anointed by God. He was proficient. In his, in his gifts. And he was hand-selected by the king himself to stand in that office and lead others into worship. But the text reveals that there came a time that this worship leader, this mature believer, this gifted individual whose God had his hand upon, this individual came to a place where he lost his thanksgiving now i don't know what you do when you are you are instructed and gifted and you are placed in a position to lead others into worship and you can't even find it in your own heart to worship that's like a preacher with no preach hello a dog with no sickum <laughs> He lost his ability. He lost his ability. He lost his desire to sing. He lost his desire to give thanks unto the Lord. He lost his desire to lift his hands toward heaven and say, Lord, I worship. He lost his thanksgiving. He lost his desire to pray. What happened? He came to the place where he got his eyes on the wrong thing and got his eyes on the wrong people. And when he did, he found out that he lost his thanksgiving. Look with me in verse number one. You need to keep your Bible open today at that chapter 73. We're going to be looking at quite a few scriptures and going through it as we go. But look at verse number one. When I say he lost his thanksgiving... Here's what the scripture says. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to those that are of a pure heart. But as for me, in my own personal experience, as for me, my feet had almost stumbled and I slipped, nearly fell. He's saying, I know that God is good. I understand that God is gracious and kind and I know that God is righteous and just and I know that he loves the pure in heart and I know that he is mindful of those that strive to live a godly life. But as for me, I came to the place Where I almost slipped and almost stumbled. And I nearly fell. I lost my praise. I lost my worship. I lost my thanksgiving. I came to the place where I didn't have a praise in my heart. I came to the place where I I didn't have a thanks in my spirit. He said, as for me, I, was, I found myself filled with doubts and confusions. And I found myself having a hard time trying to understand and trying to reconcile what I believe. Because I believe God is good. I had a hard time trying to reconcile what I believe with what I'm seeing with my own eyes." He said, I know that God's good. I know that he's pure. He loves the pure in heart. I know that he's gracious and kind. But, but I got a problem. Because what I believe is not always lining up with what I'm experiencing in life. What I believe that God is good, I believe God is good, but that don't always match up with what I'm seeing. I believe that God is good, but it, all, it don't always match up with my reality. So as we read just those first two verses, it becomes evident and obvious that Asaph is struggling with doubt and uncertainty. And confusion to the point that he says, I've, "I almost gave up. I came to the point where I almost stumbled, where I almost slipped, and I almost just give up." So we have to ask ourselves, what was it that caused Asif to come to this place? What was it that caused him to lose his thanksgiving? And the answer is found as we read a little further on. Look at verse number three. He said. I almost stumbled, I I almost cast away my confidence in God. Verse number three, I was envious, I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I got my eyes on somebody else. And I got to looking at their life and comparing it with my life. And and I believe that God is good, but what what I'm seeing in my life doesn't always measure up to what I believe and the reality that I'm living. Because I'm looking at the life of the wicked, and they don't look like they got any problem. I'm going through hell and high water over here. He said in verse 4, They have no pains until death. Look at verse number five. They're not troubled as everybody else is. They're not troubled as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace and violence covers them as a garment and their eyes swell through fatness. Their hearts overflow with iniquity and their mouth is speaking amen malice and they set their mouth against heaven and their tongue struts through the earth and this is what they say amen how can God know is there any knowledge in the most high in other words I'm going to live my own way, do my own thing, because nobody knows, nobody cares. Amen. And they're just going about their own business and look like they are sailing along on smooth water. And I am trying to live a chaste life, a holy life, a godly life. And I believe that God is good to Israel, but I got a problem. I'm a little bit envious of the fact that they don't look like they got any problems and I'm loaded with them. Anybody, anybody understand what I'm saying here this morning? Asaph was saying, Lord, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I look at the lives of the wicked and they're not troubled like I am. I don't get it. I'm trying my best to live for God and I'm doing my best to live a holy life and daily I'm bombarded with troubles and trials and struggles and every time I turn around while they're living their life with no regard for God whatsoever and it doesn't appear to me that what I'm doing is making a difference. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. They are evil and vile and cruel and violent and full of pride. They're wicked. And yet they are so prosperous that their eyes swell with abundance. Their mouth struts arrogantly through the earth. They blaspheme against heaven saying, does God even know? And look at verse 13. He says, and and on the flip side of that coin... In vain I have kept my heart clean. It appears that in vain that I have kept my heart clean and I wash my hands and innocent. And all day long I am chastened and rebuked and corrected and instructed. I mean, when I get out of line, I feel heaven pop me back over on the right track. And yet I'm going through all kinds of misfortune and all kinds of struggles. And they are just sailing along. He's saying that all of my efforts seem to be of no value. Here I am trying to live a godly life and everything in my world seems to be falling apart. While they are living sinfully and wickedly. And yet everything seems to be going their way. Have any of y'all ever noticed that? He's saying they have everything they want. They got money, they got power, they got toys, they have it all. And when he, he said, I was envious of the week, when I saw it, He said, I was envious of the arrogant. I was envious when I saw it, the Bible says that he lost his praise and he lost his ability to give thanks. And instead of being thankful and instead of being grateful, he found himself filled with bitterness. uh, And he found himself filled with jealousy. And he found himself filled filled with envy. And he found himself uh, asking the question, uh, amen, Why? Why? Everything that I've done doesn't seem as though it's making a difference. I will tell you this morning, I believe with all of my heart, that there have been times that all of us have had those as thoughts run through our mind. And, it, and I promise you that if you get your eyes on other folks... If you start looking at their life and their walk with the Lord, I promise you that somewhere, someone is going to seem that they are living a happier life. Someone who seems to be more content, someone who seems to be better off. I promise you that if you start looking around at others in this world, you are going to find someone somewhere with a bigger salary. A larger bank account, a nicer life, a bigger house, a better car. You're going to find someone with a more successful career, better friends, better connections, more prestige. You're going to find someone who is higher up on the proverbial ladder than you are. And I submit to you this morning that if we are not careful, Asif's problem can quickly become our problem. Asaph lost his thanksgiving because he got his eyes on the wrong crowd. He got his eyes on the wrong thing, and when he did, he lost sight of eternity. He began to look at the temporal and the things of this world, and he lost sight of the eternal. And if we are honest with ourselves uh, this morning, uh, amen, at some point we have all had those kind of thoughts that have passed through our mind. We do our best to be what God wants us to be. And instead of things running smoothly, it seems like that one thing after another is coming off at the wheels. Amen. We do our best to be faithful with our giving unto the Lord. And past due letters just keep coming in the mail. We do our best to, to be gracious and kind to others. Uh, and in turn, they turn around and stab us uh, in the back. We, de- Amen. We may not have everything that we desire. Amen. But we strive to be content uh, with what God has blessed us with. Uh, and that old bucket of rust that we call a car keeps breaking down every Every time we make a left-hand turn. And all the while, we have our eyes on somebody who is not serving God. And they have a nicer car, a better home, more money in their bank account. Everything seems to be going smoothly. If we're not careful, we'll lose our Thanksgiving. If we're not careful, we'll get our eyes on the things of this world and the temporal things of this world, and we will forget to balance it with eternity. Amen. Asaph said, God, I know that you are good to the pure in heart, but as for me, I nearly stumbled. My feet nearly slipped. I lost my thanksgiving. I lost my praise. I lost my reason to sing. I lost my praise. I lost my heart of gratefulness. Let me just tell you this morning that if we allow ourselves to fall into the trap of looking at things from a human perspective, we too can easily lose our right to praise or our reason to praise. So that's how the psalm begins, but thank God that's not how it ends. Let me share with you how it ends. In verse number 17, the whole mood of the psalm begins to change, and Asaph moved from the slippery ground of human perspective and stepped squarely onto the shouting ground of the heavenly perspective. Asaph turned to God in his confusion and his uncertainty and God let him in on a little bit of reality. Look at verse number 16. Asaph said, when I thought how to understand it, it seemed to me a wearisome, thankless, frustrating task. And verse 17 is where it flips. Until, until, that's how I was feeling. I'd lost my thanksgiving. I'd lost my praise. I'd looking at everybody else on, amen, on smooth water and me on rough water. I saw everybody doing well and me going through hell. Amen. Until I went to the house of the Lord. And he said, when I got to the house of God, I got a whole new perspective on life. Because when I got to the house of the Lord and I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood what the end of the wicked would be. He's saying, it wasn't until I went to the house of God that I understood the end of their days. They may be smooth sailing today, but it ain't always going to be smooth sailing because judgment is coming. You hear what I'm saying? They may be living up right now. They may be living it up. He meant while my faith is being tested and my faith is being tried, but one day they too are going to stand before God and they are going to give an account of the life that they have lived in this world. Asaph said, when I went to the house of God, then I got a grip on reality and I understood that this life is not all that there is. And one day, they are going to stand before God when this life is over. And we need to understand that the Bible says that this life is nothing more than a vapor. It appears for a moment and then it vanishes away. Even if they live 99 great years on planet earth, if they die without Jesus Christ, they are going to spend an eternity in a devil's hell. Hmm. Amen. He said, I don't know why in the world I was envying them. I don't know why in the world I was envying the wicked. I got a new perspective on things. Amen. He says they may be enjoying all that this life has to offer, but when this life is over, they are going to spend eternity without God. They may not know it, they may not see it, and they may not even believe it. Amen. But one day their judgment is going to come suddenly and unexpectedly. They may not know it, they may not see it, and they may not believe it. But one day their destruction is going to be complete, and irreversible one day the sinful will suffer the wrath of God and it will be personable and inescapable Amen. I'm telling you this morning. Asaph came to realize that the wicked may have the best things here in this life. They may live it up and enjoy life to the fullest. But when this life is over and this life comes to an end. When they breathe their last breath in this body. They are going to be swept into eternity. And the only thing that can save us in eternity is relationship with Jesus Christ. He saw the end of the wicked and he said, they are the ones that are on slippery ground. I don't know why I'm envying them. They are the one That's on slippery ground. He saw the end of the wicked when he went to the house of the Lord and he realized that one day they would be cast down swiftly, suddenly, amen, and utterly destroyed. He saw, the Bible says, that they would be swept away in terror, that they would vanish from this earth. He made a trip to the house of God and he got a brand new perspective on how to look at things and instead of looking at the wrong things and the wrong people asaph got his eyes on eternity and on god and he found his thanksgiving he found his reason to be grateful he found his reason to give thanks we come to the last six verses of our text or of that chapter And Asaph realized that he had a lot to be thankful for. This morning, I want you to see that we too have a lot to be thankful for. You may not drive the best car. You may not live in the finest house. But, oh, you have so much to be thankful for. Amen. you hear what I'm saying this morning? Amen. You may not live in the nicest house in Emmett. You may not live on what we used to call Snob Hill. You may not drive the best car. You may not, amen, own the the biggest bank account. But I'm here to tell you if you know Jesus Christ, amen, you are wealthier than those of this world. Hmm. When he gets to the final six verses, he finds his thanksgiving. He says in verse number 22, he says, Lord, when I was thinking my old way, when I was thinking, when I was envious of the wicked, I was brutish and ignorant. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. He's, he's repenting. He's apologizing for, for having that mind frame. He said, Lord, I was a brute. I was ignorant. I was a beast towards you. He said, I've been thinking and acting in an insensitive and an an unenlightened kind of way. Now I understand. Now I get it. Now I get it. And look at verse 23. He says, nevertheless, yes, they may be living it up, but nevertheless, they may have more than I have, and it may look like Amen that they 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 have more reason to praise than I do. But nevertheless, I am continually with you. When I read that, I just shouted all by myself. I am continually with you. And the Bible doesn't just say that he's with us. The Bible says that he is in us. When I when I when I used to travel many years ago on the evangelistic field, I know what it's like to be alone. I know what it's like to, you know, have dinner by myself. I know what it's like to, you know, lock the door on the hotel room and go crawl in a bed all by my lonesome. I know what it's like to wake up in the morning by myself and, and go to breakfast. I know what it's like to be alone. It's no fun. But I'm going to tell you what. God says that he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. He is with us always. Asaph came to the point where he understood, I am continually with you. I am never alone. He said, you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me up to glory. Amen. And he realized, amen. He said, there is nothing on this earth that I desire more than you. I finally figured it out. They can have everything that this world has to offer. All I want is Jesus. Amen. There is nothing on this earth that I desire more than you or besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But he said, my strength is not in my ability, not in what I can do. But my strength is in my God who is with me. Hmm. Amen. Asaph came to realize that being a child of God. If we are a child of the living God then we possess amen spiritual blessings that tower over anything that this world could offer Amen Pastor Gary what 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 do you what do you mean listen There was a day when I was unsaved and unfit for the kingdom of God, living in sin, and I thought I liked it. And when I came to the Lord, He gave me a new perspective and He forgave me of my sins, washed away my past, wrote my name down in the Lamb's book of life, and made me an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He said that where I am, you're going to be also. uh, And set me uh, in heavenly places uh, with Christ Jesus. Uh, I'm saying he gave me more than this world could ever give me. He called me one of his own. Asaph realized that even in the midst of his trials... He had never been alone. He said, I am continually with you. You hold me with your right hand. You hold me with your right hand. Even when he couldn't see God and the Lord had been holding his hand, God had always been there. Beloved, let me tell you something this morning. The fact that he is always there is one of the greatest blessings on planet Earth. Where would you go if you could not turn to the Lord? Hello? where would you go if you could not turn to the Lord? But He is always there. It means that we are never alone. That in every valley, in every trial, God is there. In every dark night, in every difficult circumstance, God is there. In every sickness, in every situation, in every confrontation of life, we have the blessed assurance that He will never leave us and never forsake us. And he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. That's a powerful blessing. That's enough to praise him for right there. Can you say amen? Asaph was reminded that he still belonged to God and that God was guiding him and holding him in the palm of his hand. In verse number 24, he said, you guide me with your counsel. You guide me with your counsel. How many of you have ever faced a situation and you didn't know what to do about it? I have stood at the proverbial crossroads many times. And the Bible, here's some good news. The Bible said that the steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered of the Lord. He guides us with his counsel. And afterward, you will receive me up to glory. What is that saying? It's, he's saying that all through this life, through the twists and turns of life road, he is there to guide you and to lead you and give you counsel. And when it's all said and done, he will lead you and guide you and receive you up to glory. Verse 25, he says, Whom in heaven do I have? There is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. Amen. Nothing on earth that I desire beside you. He came to the conclusion that the Lord was all he needed in order to give thanks. What I came to tell you this morning is you may not drive the finest car. You may not live in the nicest house. You may look at others who give, you know, they don't even regard God or give God the time of day and they look like they're doing far better than you. You are looking at it in the eyes of the natural, in the, li- in the eyes of the temporal, through the human perspective. Start looking at it through the perspective of heaven and through the eyes of the eternal. And you will realize that you have much to be grateful for. Asaph lost his thanksgiving because he got his eyes on the wrong thing. But he found it. He found his praise. He found his worship. He found his hallelujah when he got his eyes back on the Lord. Amen. I don't know if any of you this morning sitting in this house have been feeling like Asaph. But I believe with all of my heart there are those of you here in this place this morning that at one point or another you have been tempted to give up and your feet have nearly slipped and you have nearly stumbled all because of the load that you have carried. And you like Asaph got your eyes on the wrong things. I'm here to tell you this morning, amen, I'm here to challenge you this morning to put your eyes back upon God and back upon eternity and recognize that there is nothing in this world that can take the place of God's love and God's grace. Ask the Lord this morning to give you a different perspective on the way that you look of things. And instead of just looking at things from the earthly perspective, begin to view it in the light of eternal. And just like Asaph, if you have lost your thanksgiving, I believe that you will find it again. Bow your heads if you will. Bow your heads all over the building this morning. Heavenly Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for the eternal blessings that you have gifted us through Christ Jesus. And while we may not have everything, Lord, in this world, we have something far better that's out of this world. I thank you this morning, Lord, that the eternal riches of our relationship with Jesus far outweighs the, temp- the temporal and the temporary riches of this life. Help us to understand the difference this morning. If we have lost our reason for thanks, if we have lost our ability to praise, This morning, I pray that you will help us find our thanksgiving and recognize that we have been given so much through our relationship with the Lord. Speak to us now, I pray, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Gary, I know Thanksgiving is coming, but I just ain't been feeling it. I just ain't been feeling it. And I realized today that I have so much to be thankful for. Not just temporary things in this life, but I've been granted the wealthiest and the most beautiful gift of all, the salvation of my God. If you're here this morning and you feel like you've allowed your thanksgiving to slip away, just say, Lord, touch me here this morning. Help me to recognize and understand that I have much to be thankful for. Stand to your feet all over the building and allow me to pray with you. Father, flood our hearts this morning with gratefulness flood our hearts this morning Lord with thanksgiving Lord we thank you for every earthly gift but oh God we are so grateful for the eternal blessings and the eternal gifts that you have freely bestowed upon us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Slip your hand right up to him as they come again to sing this morning. Just worship him. Give him thanks.